But this idea of far more, right? It's New Year's, so I've got New Year's resolutions and I've got goals that I'm setting. Why is that? Well, because what used to be, I want better. I want the old to be old and stay in the old place. And I want now the new to be something far more. I want it to be so much better. And we're recognizing how that actually happens. And no, it's not do one and two and this happens. It's, well, what is actually, what does it mean to actually have more of Jesus in your life? Because that's where we start to get far more out of our life. A few months ago, my wife and I did a surprise for our kids. And uh, we don't do this type of surprise very often. Uh, This was a big deal for us to be willing to do this for our kids. Uh, But I knew I was at a new moment, a new season as a parent, when my oldest son, Connor, he comes home from school and he's just talking about Incredibles 2. And we're, we're a big Disney family, so we've seen Incredibles 1. They can mem- they've got it memorized. They love it. They know it. And Incredibles 2 was in the theater at the time. And we're like, nah, we'll wait till like, it comes out on Redbox. We'll wait. But Connor comes home just telling me all about the movie. And I'm like, you haven't even seen it yet. He said, I know, Dad. Everybody at school is talking about it. And I said, uh-oh. We have crossed that line where now we are dictated by what every other kid does at school. Help me, Jesus, for the days moving forward. So anyway, so I knew it was a big deal to Connor and the the kids, and so we're sitting at dinner uh, Friday night, and Becky and I are kind of doing our parent whisper. You know how you talk when your kids are in the room, but you don't want them to know what you're talking about? We were doing that. And basically, we came to the conclusion of, let's surprise our kids. Let's take everybody to see Incredibles 2 Friday night. It'll be fun. So we tell the kids, guys, we have a surprise for you. We are gonna take you to the movie theater to see Incredibles 2, and we are the best parents in the world. Like Connor and Cole, like, oh, mom and dad, we love you so much. You are the best parents in the whole wide world. This is great. So we told him it'll be like a PJ movie night. Get your PJs on after dinner. We'll go to the movie theater. It's gonna be a blast. So we do that. They are so excited. So we get to the movie theater and we start heading up to the theater. And if you've been with me long enough, you know we used to have church over there. And as we're coming up, dude, my kids got a little bit of disappoint, disappointment in their voice. They're like, Dad, are we going to church? <laughs> and I said, don't be so disappointed. But no, we're not going to church. We really are taking you to see Incredibles 2. So we get our tickets. And like I said, we don't do this a lot as a family because we've got three kids. So there's five of us tickets. And we're like, let's just go all out. So we did the popcorn. We did the snacks. We did the drinks. I mean, I was like, guys, it's Disney World or a movie. And we're going to choose a movie this year. <laughs> so load up. You're not going to experience this ever again. So we take all of that and we go into the auditorium and it's their largest movie auditorium, their largest theater they have because it is packed. I mean, just slammed. So we finally find a row kind of in the middle because nobody wants to be in the middle. So there we are with all of us, but there's not enough seats. So I've got a kid on my lap and we have a kid in between us and then Becky's got a kid on her lap. I don't even remember which one's where. Point is lap, seat, lap. And we just move in. I mean, completely moving. You know how that goes. Diaper, bags, shoes, coat one, coat two, coat three. All of this, the the snacks, the drinks, the popcorn, it's everywhere. But we're like, we're here. This is going to be great. And we start watching the movie and these kids absolutely love it until about halfway through. Now, if you've not seen it, I won't give you the spoiler alert, but there's a scene about halfway through that for some children may be a little frightening. As a parent, I was not aware of this scene, and all the other parents that I talked to, you know who you are, didn't tell me about this frightening scene. But halfway through the movie, this scene comes on, and it's loud, and it's scary, and the villain's got the mask on, and it's like my kids timed this perfectly. Because all three of them, at the same time, just started screaming, ah! 
And I went from being best dad in the world to the worst parent of the century. How could you make me watch this? You're the terrible parent. Don't you know this is scary? Why would you allow me to witness such horror, dad? That's happening in this packed theater. And then they are screaming. I don't mean like, ah, this is scary. I mean, people are turning around and I'm like, Becky and I look at each other and I mouth the words, leave it, let's go. So we left everything, shoes, backpacks, blankets, food, and we just picked up the kids. All three of them are screaming. So I scoop these two, Becky grabs the one, and we just, excuse me, pardon me. I know, yes, they are screaming. I, I didn't know it was gonna be scary, thank you very much. Start slowly the shame of walk out through the aisle and then we finally get out into the hallway and Becky and I, I kid you not, we're on our knees consoling our children. It's okay, it's just a movie. Dad, how could you? I had no, I mean the first one was fine. Everybody told me the second one was fine. They are just so upset over this one scene. They still have not let me forget about that by the way. If you dare, mention Incredibles 2 to my oldest son and watch out. See what happens. Oh, my dad's such a bad dad. He shouldn't have let us see that, right? And, and it wasn't scary, but to him, it, to all three of them, it was. And we're sitting there trying to console our kids, calm them down. And you see people walking by us, and they do one of these like, should we call somebody? Like, is, is there, like, are they physically hurt? What's going on? People are walking by us with, with a lot of room. And then finally, somebody that works there. You know he works there because he's the only one that actually saw us and actually stopped. And he comes over and he has this, like, do I need to call paramedics or nine? Like, are you oh, like physically okay? And I said, I think so. <laughs> and he's like, well, what happened? So I explained, man, I mean, it's not your fault. We didn't know that was gonna be scary. And man, I'm telling you, what this young man did that worked there just blew me away. I mean, he was so apologetic, not his fault, obviously, but so apologetic. I still had to go inside and get all of our stuff. That was a whole nother story. We'll save that illustration for another time. Finally get all of our stuff out and he's just helping us. And well, what can we do? And I'm like, I mean, nothing. I mean, really, I appreciate it. But he's like, no, 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 follow me. So Becky takes some of the kids out towards the van once they stop sobbing and crying. And, and I take one with me and, and he's just, hey, we just want to make this up to you. And, and I'm like, again, it's not your fault. I appreciate it. They got through about half the movie, not a big deal. And he's like, no, 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 this is important for us. We want to make sure you, I mean, he went on and on and on. You talk about great customer service. I'm still talking about this. I mean, months after it happened, Happen. And he proceeds to give us like tickets for movies and several movies. And, and we only paid for four out of the five because Collins was free. No, 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 we need to make sure that you guys are taken care of. I mean, he went above and beyond anything I would have expected on how to treat us in that moment. And that's what happens, right? When, when somebody exceeds your expectations, oh, you just can't talk enough about it. I mean, there's just something in you that you're just beyond thankful and you wanna tell people and you won't believe what they did. The flip side is also true. When somebody doesn't meet your expectations, you have to talk about that as well. You won't believe what they did, right? It's the middle that nobody cares about. When we just meet expectations, nobody is compelled to share any of those stories. And what we're gonna see is this idea of far more out of our life, exceeding our expectations, there's there's. There's someone that it hinges on, and we mentioned it last week, and it's the theme for this whole series, is far more out of your life, experiencing life beyond your expectations, far more out of your life, actually begins with far more of Jesus in your life. That's where it has to begin. If you wanna see your life go beyond your expectations, doesn't mean you get everything you want and ask for, but seeing your life go beyond your expectations, far more than you would have 
been able to ask or imagine, Ephesians 3 tells us. It begins with far more of Jesus in our lives. The story we're gonna look at this morning shows us just that, how Jesus exceeds our expectations and what happens when that does happen. What happens when you encounter Jesus, when you interact with Jesus, and he does far more than you ever knew he could or even would. So if you have your Bibles, head over to Luke chapter 19. We'll put the verses on the screen behind me. You can follow along. Some of you might be familiar with this story or this person in the story, but let's hear what Luke has to say and let's follow this interaction and how it leads to far more in our lives. Luke 19, here's what Luke records. Jesus entered Jericho. He was entering Jericho and there, he was, as he was passing through, there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. And here's what we know about Zacchaeus. Luke says that he was a chief tax collector and was very, what's it say there? Very wealthy. Now hold up there, because Luke makes a good point to bring up what he actually does for a profession and even to the point of saying he's very wealthy. Here's what we know about Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, very wealthy. Here's what you need to know about tax collectors. Not the same as our current modern day IRS tax assessors, tax collectors. So if you're one of those, you're not like Zacchaeus. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> the tax collectors in Jesus's day were hired by the Roman government. So for Zacchaeus, he was a Jew hired by Rome to take taxes from the Jews and give to Rome. And what Rome would say is, Zacchaeus, here's how much we need to have. Now, you get that for us. Anything that you want above that is yours. So if we owe $10 in taxes, wouldn't that be nice? You get $10 in taxes. Zacchaeus comes along and says, I need 50 because I owe them 10 and I need something for my salary. So Zacchaeus's salary, his income, was based on how much more he took from his own people above the actual tax. I bet a lot of people really liked him, didn't they? Yeah. Now it says he wasn't just a tax collector. He was a what kind of tax collector? A chief tax collector, which means he was over other tax collectors, which means he didn't just go above and beyond taking from other people. He took from other tax collectors that he oversaw. So now the Jews don't like him because he's taking their money. The Romans don't like him because he's just a Jew. And the other tax collectors didn't like him because he was taking from them. This man was despised and rejected by all people. Truly, he was alone. And then Luke tells us he wasn't just a chief tax collector. He was wealthy which man meant he went way above and beyond. And he had been doing this for a very long time. Despised, rejected, truly he had no one in his life. We've all experienced rejection on some levels. Maybe not the same level here as Zacchaeus, but we've been the last person picked on the playground. We've been dumped. We've been fired. We've been let go. We've been told no. We've experienced rejection. I think some of the deepest hurts I've had in the form of rejection comes through text messaging. Here's what's happened. And some of you might be the culprit of this. I'll text somebody, right? I'll text you. And if you're somebody that hasn't turned off your read receipts, I know when you read my text message, which here's what makes some of you are like, what's a read receipt? There's your problem. <laughs> Google that when we're done. Or right now, it might save a marriage. That read receipt shows red. And guess what? nothing comes back. I'm like, I know you saw my text message. I know you read it because my phone says you read it. And you're, you're telling me no, that you can't even respond to me. What makes it worse is when you get the read receipt, but then you get the little bubbles. You know the bubbles I'm talking about if you got the iPhone? The bubbles mean I see your text message and I'm actually starting to write it. So if you see the read and you see the bubbles, but then you get nothing, I'm like, no, 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 no. I know you read it. I know you saw it. You're even about to respond and then you decided not to. 
So whatever your rejection is, you can tell this is therapeutic for me. I need to go through text message counseling. Whatever your rejection is, I'm not diminishing it, but I'm saying it was probably nowhere near the rejection that Zacchaeus would have felt. When I say he had no one in his life, that's not an exaggeration. He had no one in his life. And because of that, that led him to do something a little different. The curiosity as well as the the desperation of seeing Jesus led him to do something no one else did. And I say curiosity and, and, and the desperation because he would have been curious. I've heard about Jesus. In fact, he probably would have heard about another man named Matthew who earlier on met Jesus. And actually that guy, Matthew, former tax collector, now disciple and follower of Jesus. And here Zacchaeus is thinking, who, who would ever allow a tax collector to follow him? Man, there's gotta be something about this Jesus I don't know. His curiosity got the best of him in a good way. Decided, I've got to at least see Jesus. The desperation, he had no one else to go to. He had no other relationship to lean into. So between his curiosity of who is this Jesus that I keep hearing about, a Jesus, a man, an individual that, that actually pays attention to people like me, man, I've got to at least see him. He doesn't try to meet him. He doesn't try to, to greet him. All he tries to do is see him. And that's where we see it in verse three. So Zacchaeus, he wanted to see who Jesus was, just a glimpse. But because he was, and if you know the story of Zacchaeus, say it with me, because he was so short, yes, because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. All he wanted to do was see Jesus. And so now you have this man that is despised. Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector, he's despised, he's rejected. And you could just say quite literally that everybody that he knew, they all looked down on him. Do you see what I did there? Some of you will get it around lunchtime and you'll be like, I can't believe he said that. I'm offended. Well, let me offend you just a little bit more. Do you want to know? You want to know exactly how short, if we were to dig into the original text, do you want to know how short Zacchaeus really was? Thank you, thank you. Let me try one more time. Would you like to know how short Zacchaeus really was? How short? There you go. He was so short that the only thing that he could dunk was a chicken nugget. <laughs> you're welcome. Now, I can say that because I'm short. If you're taller than me, you don't get to say jokes like that. If you're shorter than me, you are allowed to be offended for the last couple moments, yes. He was short. So short, but why did Luke feel the need to bring that to the text? He was a chief tax collector. He was very wealthy. Oh, and by the way, he was short. And I think what Luke is doing is, let me show you how rejected and despised he would have been. And we would think, well, man, we're Christians. This is church. Like, we would never talk to Zacchaeus this way. We're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let me tell you how offended I was in, in Sunday school growing up. There's a song that someone created about this man we read about in scripture, in God's word. And this man is referred to as Zacchaeus was a How dare you? How dare you sing a song about a man and use the phrase, we little man. I am greatly offended. I was so fired up over this. I talked to my kids director. I said, we don't teach that song to our kids, right? And she says, no, I don't think so. I said, good. May it be stricken from our curriculum and never sung of again. <laughs> I mean, talk about adding insult to injury. Yes, oh, Zacchaeus, what are you known for? Being a wee little man. You do not call somebody a wee little man. 
I don't want to hear from any of you after service today. <laughs> he was wealthy. He was this chief tax collector, and he was short. He was despised and rejected by everyone, yet he wanted to see Jesus. Let me just encourage you, if you feel anywhere close to that, despised, rejected, you have no one, man, can I encourage you to lean into your curiosity as well as your desperation? Lean into it so that you'll go to extreme lengths to just get a glimpse of Jesus. Because that's exactly what Zacchaeus did. He didn't care what anybody thought at that point. He's like, I just need to see Jesus for myself. Just a glimpse of this man that everybody keeps talking about. Just a glimpse of this man that I've heard amazing things about. That maybe just part of it could be true. Here's what happens next. So when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse seven, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Don't miss what Jesus did here. Jesus was walking, he had an agenda, he had an itinerary of I'm passing through Jericho. So he passes through, didn't intend to talk to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had no intentions of actually meeting and talking to Jesus, just wanted a glimpse. And Jesus stops, right? He says he came to the spot, he stopped and he looked up. And what was the first word out of Jesus' mouth? Do you remember? It said he, what did he say? Zacchaeus. Jesus called him by name. Un unbelievable. Imagine the surprise for Zacchaeus, not the fact that Jesus stopped and looked up at him, that was surprise enough, but he called him by name. Nobody that Zacchaeus knew would have called him by name. It would have been Zacchaeus the cheater, Zacchaeus the short kid. It would have been Zacchaeus the something. There would have been muttering behind his back. No one just said Zacchaeus. And here Jesus, the son of God, said, Zacchaeus, come down. He stopped, he called him by name. And then Jesus did something absolutely unthinkable. I wanna to go to your house. I wanna spend time with you. I wanna to get to know you. See, Jesus did far more than anything and what anyone would have ever expected. You talk about exceeding expectations. This is a whole nother level. Jesus continues to do that though. He does far more than we ever expect. In fact, there's kind of these unspoken levels of kindness just in our culture and in our society. Like the very baseline, the very bottom level of customer service and kindness is required. There's a required kindness. If, so, if I'm walking down the sidewalk and somebody falls down right in front of me, I would be a jerk not to help them up. Agreed? So what do I do? I do what's required. I, are you okay? Even if I don't care, I still do that, don't I? <laughs> Why? Because if you don't do it, you're seen as mean. So you do just enough to be kind. That's just like your base level, required kindness. And then you might move to expected kindness. Expected kindness is socially acceptable. We would call this like being polite, good manners. We're exchanging pleasantries. We teach our kids to say, thank you, you're welcome, please. We use those things because it's expected. If I did something for you and you didn't say thank you, I'd be like, seriously? I mean, we kind of do that. I wouldn't have considered it above and beyond, or it's just, I expect some level of kindness. But then we have the surprising kindness. This is above and beyond. This is that extra mile, which if you wanna read more about that, Jesus speaks to it. Matthew chapter five, read through it this week. Here's that extra mile. Here's what we experienced in the movie theater. We had a, a, a guy that worked there that he didn't get paid more by treating me this way. We weren't gonna come to more movies. We actually probably haven't been to a movie since then because it, we decided not to spend that kind of money. Anyway, whole nother topic. But why? It's he exceeded our expectations. He surprised us with being so kind, so caring, so loving. 
But what Jesus does is he goes to a whole nother level. It's not a required kindness. It's not expected. It's not even surprising. I'm going to say it straight up offended people. He was so kind, so loving, so caring to Zacchaeus that people were actually offended. Go back and look at it if you want. It says, when he said, come down, I've got to stay at your house today. Zacchaeus came down, was all excited. But verse seven says, all the people. So everybody that was around watching this happen, they saw this and they began to mutter. They began to grumble. They began to complain. They began to talk behind their backs. I can't believe Jesus just did that. Why would Jesus do that? Doesn't he know who Zacchaeus is and all he's done and all he's done to us? He's a cheater, the liar. He doesn't, oh, and here's the word, deserve that. People were offended by how nice, kind, and loving Jesus was to Zacchaeus. That's a whole other level of kindness and love, isn't it? To the point where other people were greatly offended by how Jesus treated other people. Well, they were affected, but so was Zacchaeus. Look at how Zacchaeus responded. Responded to not above and beyond, but far more than he could ever have even asked or expected. Verse eight, but Zacchaeus, he stood up and he said to the Lord, talking to Jesus, he said, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Did you, did you catch that? Half of my wealth. Remember, he's a tax collector, a chief tax collector that's very wealthy. He says, I'm going to give half of it right here and now, Jesus. Whatever your income is, whatever you have in your home, cut it in half and imagine giving all of that away right now. Whoo, that's tough. <laughs> he gave half of all that he had and said, I'm just going to give it to the poor. And he said, and anybody that I've cheated, which everybody around is like, yep, yep, that's all of us, Zacchaeus. He said, I'm going to give back four times what I've taken. I'm not just going to pay them back what they deserve. I'm going I'm to go so far to the extreme because Jesus, you went so far to the extreme for me. You talk about beyond, above, and beyond. It's what Jesus did to Zacchaeus, and it's also what Zacchaeus did to everybody else. I mean, you talk about great lessons in not just customer service, but how we treat other people. So here's a challenge for you. I'm gonna put this on the screen. Take a picture, write it down. Here's your homework for the week as you lean into far more out of your life. Here it is. This week, help someone and change something. Help someone else. And help someone else by doing something maybe like Jesus did. What did Jesus really do to help Zacchaeus? Nothing except notice him and spend time with him. He didn't hand out anything. Jesus didn't teach him anything. Jesus didn't give him a lecture. Jesus didn't even ask him to change for anything. None of that. Jesus did not say, Zacchaeus, now that we're talking, here's what you need to do with your life. Zacchaeus did all that on his own because of what he had received from Jesus first. So help someone this week. Notice someone. Spend time with somebody. Be surprisingly responsive in how you interact with other people. And like we said, spend time with them. It's why we do groups and why we make such a big deal out of groups because spending time together is necessary. And I would even say, Jesus didn't, notice this, he didn't ask, hey, can we hang out? Zacchaeus, would you like to spend some time together? No, he inserted himself into Zacchaeus's life. And there might be some people in your life you need to do that too. Hey, I know you're not asking for my help. I know you're not asking to be with me. I know you're not asking for anything, but I see the benefit of us leaning into our relationship. I'm gonna insert myself into somebody's life. That's exactly what Jesus did to Zacchaeus. Didn't wait for an ask. Jesus inserted himself into their lives and we saw Zacchaeus greatly benefit far more than anything he could have ever asked, dreamed, 
or have imagined. So help somebody this week, but then change something. That's talking about you personally. Zacchaeus, when he received that kind of love and received that kind of kindness, he responded by doing something absolutely crazy. Now notice, it was a response to what Jesus did. It wasn't a ploy or a scheme, which he would have been known for, to get something from Jesus. That's important. The timing is very important. Becky does a ton around our house. She takes care of the kids. She loves on us. She takes care of us. She does a ton. And so when I do something small like doing the dishes, which I do more regularly, more often than not, she is nodding. You can't see her, but I'm just gonna let you know. She's doing one of these. So agreeing, for, agreeing with me in some form or fashion. Why do I do that? I'm not doing the dishes so that she won't leave me. No, I'm doing the dishes because of what she's done already for me. So it's not a ploy to get something. It's a response because of what's already been given to me. It's why we do what we do. In fact, if you have kids in our MLC kids areas, you'll notice they either already have come home with one of these or they're getting them today. It's what we teach our kids. It's what I wanna teach my kids and we wanna be able to impress on your kids and your students is because of the love and grace and kindness that Jesus has given us, we respond like that. And so what we're having kids and families do is fill up these bags with canned goods so we can help fill the pantry for Rick Rack, one of our local nonprofits. We love partnering with them. We do on, regularly, on regular occasions. So it's a way for students and kids to say, I've been loved and taken care of by Jesus. Now, how can I do that for somebody else? This is one way we begin to do something like that. It's out of a response for what we have already been given. So this week, help someone, but then also begin to change something in your life. Now, the story doesn't end there, though. The song ends there, but the story doesn't end there. This is not a story about good behavior and how to treat others. There's a lot of great application. Don't get me wrong. Help others and change something. Great application, but it's not the point of Luke recording this interaction between Jesus, Zacchaeus, but don't forget, there was a bunch of other people there as well. Remember what they all thought? How could Jesus do this? How dare Jesus do this? So I want you to see Jesus' response. After that, after he met Zacchaeus, they spent time together. Zacchaeus changed his life. Other people couldn't believe it. They were offended by the kindness and love that Jesus had. Here's what Jesus said, verse nine. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Now look at this. We are gonna get a glimpse into the very heart of God. Verse 10, Jesus says, for the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Oh, don't miss that. That's the heart of God. It's why Jesus did exactly what he did. It's why he does what he continues to do to seek and save the lost. It's a theme throughout Jesus' ministry. It's the theme, the theme throughout his ministry. In fact, if you were to go back to Luke 5, you don't have to turn there, but there's another story. I mentioned it earlier about the other tax collector that Jesus said, hey, come follow me. That's Matthew. That's the guy that actually wrote the gospel that we know of as Matthew. Tax collector, Jesus interacted with him and said, hey, follow me. So here's this tax collector named Matthew that leaves everything and follows Jesus. And just like with Zacchaeus, people couldn't believe it. Jesus, don't you know who that is? Don't you know what he's done? Why would you spend time with him? And Jesus' response is almost exact. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. In other words, I have come to save what was lost, to seek and save what was lost. A little later on, Jesus tells three parables. Luke 15 records these. Three parables with the exact same point. 
that Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. And in the very first of those, he describes this, this, this flock of sheep, a hundred sheep, one gets away. Well, what do you do? You go after the one. And in fact, at the very end, he gives this point. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing, far more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. He tells the same thing in three different ways. And here we are in Luke 19 with a guy named Zacchaeus who's very much lost. Spiritually, socially, you name it, lost. And Jesus stopped, called him by name, said, I want to be with you, Zacchaeus. Jesus came to seek, to save what was lost. That is the very heart of God. It's why he came. It's why he went to the cross. It's why there's an empty tomb. It's why we gather. It's why we get to experience far more in our life. Because Jesus is in our life. Far more out of our life begins with far more of Jesus in our lives because that's what he desires, us to be reconciled and with him. A dad with his kids. I would stop at nothing to get my kids back. You, if put in that position, would stop at nothing to get your kids back. He came to do just that, to seek and save what was lost. A glimpse into the heart of our God and who we are to him. And Zacchaeus was no different. He was lost and Jesus said, I will do whatever to make you found. And I will call you by name and I will go to your house and I will not demand anything. I will not ask you of anything. I will just be with you. And it changed Zacchaeus' life forever. Out, on the, out in the lobby, we have a wall that we call our more life change wall. And if you're new, let me just briefly explain what this is. Um, right out here to the right, once you walk out these doors, you'll see a wall with a bunch of these cards turned around like this. And when 2019 hit, we turned them all so they looked like this. And you'll notice out there, there's, there's a handful that actually say this, my life changed. And so what we ask and what we give an opportunity for every week is just that, for Jesus to change your life. I'm not gonna change your life. This church isn't gonna change your life. The person next to you is not gonna change your life. But the son of man who came to seek and save the lost will most certainly change your life. And if you will allow him in your life, you will experience far more out of your life. So if that's you, if you're here today saying, man, I'm lost in some way. There's a lot of ways to describe lost. And we get lost a lot throughout the year. This is not a one-time thing. So at the end of service, if you wanna head out there, if Jesus is doing something in your life and you're like, you know what? He found me again today. I found him again today. My life changed again. See, I believe that Zacchaeus, we get one of his stories of life change recorded by Luke, but I believe weeks and months and years later, Jesus was still changing his life. That what he learned that day and what he allowed in his heart that day continued every day of his life of, I'm changing still, I'm changing still, I'm growing still. So you might flip 100 cards this year, awesome. You might flip one, awesome. But if Jesus is changing your life, if he's changed your life, walk out there after service and flip a card around from here to here. If Jesus starts to do something in your marriage, Come back here on a Sunday and you and your spouse walk up and you flip a card around together. Heard that story this morning at 9.30. A husband and wife flipped a card. Maybe you bring your kids with you. Hey, we've got a different purpose as a family now. We're gonna be more intentional about other people because of the love we have and how we've been blessed. We're gonna do that to other people. Come in here with your kids and let them see you all as a family flip a card around. 
more life change happens because there's more of Jesus in your life. That doesn't mean we get everything we want, but it does mean we get way more than we deserve because Jesus gives us far more than we could ever ask and ever begin to imagine. And I hope you hear that. Like Zacchaeus, we get far more than we deserve. He loves you far more than you could believe. You might know that, but I, I want you to hear that again. If you grew up hearing and singing the Zacchaeus song, you probably also, also heard up and growing up singing Jesus loves me. So you might know that. But he loves you more than you could possibly imagine, more than you could ever deserve it, more than you could ever begin to dream of. If you've never heard that before, you need to know he will exceed your expectations to the point of offending people he loves you so much. But he will stop at nothing to seek and save what is lost. And that's me and that's you. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for loving us offensively, recklessly, fully, unconditionally. There is no bound to your love. In fact, Paul writes in Romans that, that we were still sinners when you died for us, and that's how much love. We've not done anything to deserve or earn this. You also say that there's nothing that could separate us from your love. But we, we want to say back what John writes in 1 John 4. That Jesus, because you first loved us, we will love others. But we have to first let you in. So Jesus, whether it's for the first time or whether it's for the hundredth time or any other number, <laughs> Jesus, we let you in. We want far more of you in our lives. And as a response, we're gonna see far more happen. So Jesus, I pray for us this morning that we will be constantly reminded of your love, your kindness, May we turn that on others, but may we never forget where that comes from. May it not just be about modified behavior, but may it be a heart issue. And may you have our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.